0: This episode of The Explainer is supported by Daft Advantage Ads. Selling a home is a huge financial decision, so make sure your property is on daft.ie, Ireland's number one property website.
1: Welcome to The Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, sitting in for Laura Byrne. And this week, why is Ireland getting more TDs? It's probably not many people's answer to what Ireland should have more of, but we nonetheless are getting 14 more deputies after the next election. Once a census is held, a Dáil and constituency boundary review must follow. This one, however, was more hotly anticipated than most because of a couple of things. First, we have a permanent electoral commission, so it was their first big gig and they were going to have to answer questions after it. And it was always going to have to be a significant one, given the population jump noted in the last census. Side note, there are now more than 5.15 million people living in Ireland. After months of work, the commission issued its report and decisions today something that, as I read during the week, was keeping politicians up at night with cold sweats, because with one flick of a pen on a map, they know they could lose their ability to get elected. So today, we wanted to explain how that would happen and who it might happen to. To do it, we have a very busy studio. Firstly, I'm joined by the Electoral Commission CEO, Art O'Leary, and later I'll be chatting with our own Political Boundary Commission squad of Jane Matthews, Ronan Duffy and Christine Bowen, who were all excitedly up and at it early this morning for the report's publication. Firstly, Art, the Constitution has us all gathered here today. Can you tell us what it says about how the doll should be made up?
2: Okay, um, the Constitution is very clear. There are two provisions um, which affect the makeup of the doll. One, it says that there should be one TD for every twenty to 30,000 people. And secondly, that the level of representation should be the same throughout the country. So what that means is that there can't be a TD representing 21,000 people in Clare and Uh, a TD representing 30,000 people in Dublin, Fingal. It has to be the same throughout the country. So that's what um, the the complex bit that's added to it. So with the recommendation today of 174 TDs, that means now that we have one TD for every 29,593 people. And that number has to be more or less the same throughout the country. So in Donegal, in Kerry, in Wexford, and in North Dublin, South Dublin, Cork, everywhere.
1: And so why was this boundary review seen as more significant than previous ones?
2: Probably because the number of TDs hasn't increased Since 1980, since the first independent boundary review, this was the first occasion in the last 43 years where our population has grown to such an extent that we needed to add more TDs. In 1980, there was one TD for every 20,000 people. And at the last census, we had one TD for every 32,000 people, so it needed a dramatic response.
1: I say in my intro there that there's 5.15 million people in, in Ireland now, so that population growth in the last census was very significant and led to this all happening.
2: Our population is growing, and it's never expressed in these terms, but our population is growing at a rate of two TDs per year. So we're obliged to do a constituency review after every census. So every five years, until somebody changes the uh, constitution, we're going to turn up with at least an additional 11 TDs.
1: Okay, so you've uh, spoiled the number for everyone already. Mm. You landed on 174. I was listening to some chat earlier, and there was you said there was a significant conversation about whether there was going to be an odd or an even number. Why did you go even, and then how did you land on 174?
2: It has traditionally always been an even number because when you take the count Corla out of the proceedings, it means that there's an odd number in the doll, which makes governing a little bit easier in tight situations where the, the numbers are tight. That's not to say we weren't open to um, in uh, an odd number if that number was the best. The one seven four um, emerged from a long process. You know, we have the census results, we have populations in every electoral district right throughout the country and we map them on excel spreadsheets so we have um the population and how many seats go where at 171 at 172 at 173 right the way up to 181 and then we settle on a figure as it emerges it narrows down the focus that well listen if 181 probably didn't work maybe it's something a little smaller can you give
1: us an example of why 181 didn't work
2: well 181 at that highest level would have meant wholesale county boundary breaches um, throughout the country. And it's one thing that the public were very clear in their submissions to us is that voting with their county, staying with their tribe, with their community was very, very important to them. So on Commission Tawghaan took that into account and made the adhering to county boundaries a significant priority, that and continuity. So... uh, the people speak about future-proofing. We should have gone to a higher number in order to future-proof us against any change. The number simply wasn't high enough. But um, the, our, in our terms of reference, it's actually the opposite. They don't ask us to future-proof. They ask us to try and maintain the, uh, the a level of stability to the greatest extent possible.
1: Who gave you those terms of references and why was the highest number available to you, 181?
2: The, as the Oireachtas decided on foot of a government proposal, the government brought in a bill which said that, um, as well as the constitutional provisions which are um, which are set in stone, also they said we must have three, four, and five-seat constituencies, we must pay attention to county boundaries, we must pay attention to geographical um features so rivers lakes mountains etc so that doesn't always apply but in places like dublin and cork where we have northsiders and southsiders and rivers are an important feature the shannon dividing the middle of the country is an important feature as well so we must pay attention to that as well and the number the rock set the number the range from 171 to 181 so the commentary has has been for the last year or so about having um, whether we were going to land on 11 extra TDs or 21 extra TDs or somewhere in between.
1: Between that answer and the Excel spreadsheets, I really feel like I'm back in leaving cert on the day the CAO points Mm -hmm. have been been, uh, put out. So I can kind of understand you've said a few times that it was a real tension between geography and maths. So with that tension between the geography and maths, how did you come to the decisions of some of the new constituencies that we do have?
2: Yeah, it's the examination of the alternatives, you know, so we didn't um, develop a solution uh, and present to the commissioners that this is what you must do. Um, we developed many, many options and brought them to uh, the seven person commission and said, here's some ideas around how we might shape it. You know, and Wexford and Wicklow is a particular case in point. Um, b- between the two counties, there are 11 seats based on the population. We've got two five-seaters at the moment. We can't create a, a six-seater. So what do we do? Do we split one into two three-seaters and take a little piece from one, either Wicklow or Wexert? Um, but what the commission decided to do was something innovative, really, is to create two four-seaters and then in the center have a substantial three-seater with a significant Proportion of Wicklow and North Wexford, South Wicklow and North Wexford, which forms a brand new constituency. So, there is quite a good connection between the people of South Wicklow and North Wexford as well. And when you look at that region in its entirety, that worked well. If we hadn't done something with Wexford and Wicklow, it probably would have affected how we dealt with Carlow, Kilkenny, and Tipperary, and even Waterford, and where the extra seats went in leash and as well, because. When we're working this out, this is a perfect amp- example of our ankle bone connected to our elbow.
1: So tell people what Wicklow and Wexford constituencies have become
2: now. So we have three constituencies. Um, we have a fourth, four-seater North Wicklow constituency, a three-seater South Wicklow-North Wexford constituency called Wicklow-Wexford, and we have a four-seat Wexford constituency.
1: I just wanted you to feel the pain of broadcasters
2: um, around the country yeah.
1: next election day. Well, Thank you very I, much I, for that. I see
2: your pain. No, <laughs> no matter hard, how hard it is to say it, imagine how hard it was <laughs> to do it.
1: You've talked there about factoring in the people and what people feel like there's connections between North, or South Wicklow and, and North Wexford. Do you factor in how parties might perform or what the continuity of how parties perform in, in constituencies when you were looking at, at this? Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely not. You know, we, we look at this issue entirely from the other end of the telescope. Our focus is entirely on the the people who are to be represented, the population. You know, they, our only concern is around the the people of Ireland, um, the the population, and the voters. Um, we don't consider in any way who gets to represent these people, how parties do, um, etc. It's just simply not a feature of our conversation.
1: And so do you take it into consideration in case, say, one party will particularly benefit from the overall changes? Would that have come into, into I, it?
2: Absolutely not. No, I mean, it's, um, we, we don't know who's going to benefit, by the way, um, just in relation to this. And um, only the people of Ireland will decide that at the the, the next election presumably, but the political party considerations are um, are just not a feature of our discussions or our considerations at all. We are politically blind. Our focus is entirely on the population, the citizens and the voters.
1: It wasn't in your terms of reference. It's not in the law that we can have six seeders. Was that a big problem for you? And should we have a conversation about it?
2: Mm, well, the, the um, commission announced today that they are going to do some research on, um, on that particular issue. The idea of six-seaters and more than six-seaters in constituencies as well. I mean, there's no avoiding the fact that. Six eaters would have made a difference, um, and the landscape would have looked a little different. you know perhaps um, Wexford might have been a six seat constituency, perhaps Fingal, perhaps Tipperary um, might have been as well, but there is no point we had no complaints around that as we continued our work it, i mean it 's like complaining that the sky is blue and the grass is green that just what we were asked to do was one of the considerations we were asked to take into account. Um, But we will see in due course how the Commission feels uh, about this issue. It'll make recommendations to the House of the Oireachtas. And one of the signs of of how seriously um, the government and the Oireachtas take our work is how seriously they treat our recommendations. So we will have a view and I'll be interested to see how that works out.
1: Why is it capped at five?
2: It's political consideration. It has been at five for... The last, actually since 1947 was the last time we had greater than five-seat constituencies. So it has always been part of the political landscape. And... Traditionally, and the, the academics and the political scientists will say it, it is because big parties tend to be in government, and the smaller constituencies favour big parties, and perhaps that's why um, we have much smaller parties now um, than there were previously. So, um, so let's see how that pans out. Yeah,
1: because previously we had nine-seaters in some in, before yeah. nineteen forty-seven. Yeah. we had an opinion piece in the last few days from Malcolm Noonan, um, who was calling for fewer TDs. So the opposite remit, would you had, you had to go up. And as you're saying, we're going to keep going up as our population goes up. Do you think the changes today could make a difference to parish pump politics that actually will get more of it because there'll be more representation of more people, so it becomes more local rather than maybe more national, which people like Malcolm Noonan are calling for?
2: Well, we have called for a, a national conversation about this issue. And again, it's something that the uh, commission is going to conduct some research um into this question of 30, 20 to thirty thousand. you know it, it, it did it may have suited the population in 1937. perhaps we need to ask the question is it still um suitable for the irish population i've seen mixed views you know there have been some prominent uh, political figures in the last couple of days saying, oh, "No, isn't it okay the way it is? People get a, a level of service, um, and and that works fine." And others saying we should cap the numbers. There are many, many ways of uh, changing this. You could change twenty to thirty thousand to thirty to forty thousand and keep going. You could cap the numbers, um, or there are some more innovative solutions available um, in Europe. And I, I've seen people. Um, like Professor David Farrell and, and Michael Gallagher uh, commenting on the, the cube root formula, whereas the cube root of the population should be the number of politicians, which in our context is uh, five point one million people, the cube root of that is about one hundred and seventy one which sounds about right <laughs> and uh, where we are now at one hundred and uh, at six million, um, our ratio could be um, uh, 200 TDs, but using a cube root formula, it'll be 180. So maybe that's something. It's difficult to see that you would put a cube root formula in the constitution. But again, it, these are issues that we will certainly look at in um, in the months ahead and make a recommendation to the House of the and le- let's see how that travels.
1: I think there'll be two competing popular narratives around more TDs, because People do f- feel represented when they have a TD in their town. There's constituency office nearby that they can go and sort issues that they know TDs can sort, you know, passports got lost, et cetera, et cetera. Birth cert hasn't arrived. And there's obviously bigger issues as well, not just trivial things, but also people don't like how much each individual TD costs the taxpayer because you're talking about significant salary, you're talking about pensions. Does the cost consideration of extra TDs come into the commission's work?
2: No, not at all. I mean, it's not something that's in our terms of reference, didn't even feature in um, any conversations. The commission met on 13 occasions since the 9th of February um, to have a look at this issue and never once did the cost come in because it is a matter for others to manage. You know, the um, the doll cannot even seat um, 174 TDs. Um, Right now I read a figure that the maximum capacity is 169, so that has to be managed in some way. But there is a cost here.
1: One of the main criticisms of of the work of the commission today has been that there are constituencies already that have more than 30,000. So the constitution says you should have a representative for each between 20 and 30,000 people. Some of the constituencies have more than 30,000. How come that is? And why didn't you take the opportunity to make sure that wasn't the case?
2: Yeah, that's inevitable. You know, when um, we are, when we are, the the range that we were given, is so close to 30,000. It is not possible, as I mentioned earlier on, to achieve the exact mathematical um, uh, situation across uh, all of the constituencies. So we have an average of um, 29,593 population people per TD. And the difference between that number and the eventual number is called a variance you know so historically we have allowed a variance of up to 5% from the average number and so always in a boundary review there are numbers 5 6 7 8% um from the average which when the number is so close to 30,000 inevitably brings it over 30,000 so um it the last boundary review had in 2017 had 17 constituencies over um, 30,000. And we've exactly the same. We've 17 out of 43, which is a greater number of constituencies. So proportionally, we're a little bit um, less than previously. But I can understand the confusion that that can cause because the issue is complex enough.
1: And as you said, you weren't future-proofing. What happens now that to make sure that this actually happens at the next election that we have 174 TDs sitting after the next election.
2: So the chair of the commission, uh, Ms Justice Marie Baker, handed over the report to the chair of the housing committee in um, Dal this morning and it was lodged in the House of the Oireachtas library. So it is now a matter for the Oireachtas. So they have to legislate. What normally happens is that they take the report and just pop it into a piece of legislation and say these are going to be the constituencies in um, in the next doll? It has never been the case since 1980 that the Oireachtas has not accepted an independent boundary review. So we expect that it will receive consideration, probably not in the not-too-distant future, because um, if there was to be an election called in uh, before this report was adopted in legislation, then there could be valid claims that the election could be unconstitutional because we know that there is one TD for over 32,000 people right now. So um, it is in the government and the Oireachtas' interest in order to be able to call an election um, when best suits them uh, that they would enact this in the coming months.
1: So you were saying this was like your Christmas day and elections like ours. So hopefully they'll get this done and get an election sorted sooner rather than later. Thanks so much, Art, for coming in and explaining all that to us.
2: Welcome. Delighted to be here. Thinking of selling? Choose a Daft Advantage ad to guarantee
0: unbeatable visibility, attract more buyers, and get the best price for your home. Ask your estate agent for a Daft Advantage ad today.
1: And we're back in studio now with podcast regulars, Christine Bohun and Ronan Duffy. And Jane Matthews, it's your first time on The Explainer. And this was Christmas Day for political reporters. Uh, <laughs> so what did you make of the changes announced?
3: Yeah, happy Electoral Commission Day to all who celebrate. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, I think there's been an awful lot of anxiety and excitement um, among TDs in the build up to today. Um, and it was anticipated that today's review would send shockwaves um, through the Irish political landscape. I don't think that's actually materialised. I think the um, review and the outcome of it has been more conservative than we expected. Um, we had a quick chat this morning kind of among the people that were there at the press conference. And a lot of people were saying, yeah, I think it will be 20 TDs, um, 20 additional TDs. That's not what happened. They came out with fourteen. So I think we a lot of us expected to be on the higher end of the scale. Yeah, I think it, it has been interesting, but I don't
1: think it's going to be the the shock waves that we expected. And Christine, give us your summary or your overall take on today.
4: Yeah, it wasn't nearly as dramatic I think as people as people anticipated. Um, I think a lot of TDs will be very happy with it, um, and I think that the electoral commission really tried to resolve the issues. That were coming up ahead of this, like say with constituencies bleeding into other counties, or you know trying to stop any breaches like that, and they did a good job of that. And it's some neat solutions in terms of say cutting up Leash and Offaly into separate constituencies in Dublin Fingal, and even just on a very basic level, I thought they did a, lo- a really good job in terms of all the maps and all the information compiled, and it's well worth a look at um, on the on the Commission site. But I think their hands were tied in a lot of ways, and that really came across. Um, they dealt with the problem in front of their face very much, but. So we now do have one TD roughly for every 30,000 people. It's great, it's fixed, um, but it isn't future-proofed. And they did keep saying this today. It was Mm. a big theme. They said Mm. repeatedly, we're not future-proofing it. We're just trying to make it consistent. We're trying to tidy it, smooth it out. Um, And that's fine. That's I mean, they did what they said they would do, but it means there's a gap now for future-proofing it. I mean, it is a problem that's coming down the tracks. We can't just keep adding TDs indefinitely.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think kind of as Jane said, conservatives, there is the word's been kind of jumping around my head a bit today, but also kind of it's, it's hard to complain too much about that. You know, if the yeah. opposite of conservatism is you go and make too many changes and then you cause too many problems for yourself and you, you kind of make more problems than you've solved. But if they were to prioritize, which they said they were to, to, Um, reduce the breaches of county boundaries and that essentially means where somebody is voting outside their county and they did that in several areas i think seven areas they said they removed it some areas um that's newly happening but on overall if they were to prioritize that which they have that was within the terms of remit they have achieved that so if you're to look on that alone i think you might say it's successful but as christine said we're going to have to look at this again in the future
1: yeah how long will these changes actually hold up for
0: yeah, not long at all. Um, I think we're going to be looking at doing this again after the next census in in five years time, and if the population continues to increase at eight percent between each census as it has been, you know we're going to be facing this issue in in five years time. But I, I think what's interesting is that you know, as Christine mentioned, they had said that they weren't intending to to future proof this. What they said they wanted to do was get within the limits and do no more.
1: We talked to Arthur Leary before you guys came into studio and he obviously can't be drawn on the politics of it, but we can have a bit of fun with the actual (laughs) like people involved. So uh, Jane had mentioned there, Chris, that there was anxiety among politicians. Why were some TDs so worried and, you know, has this shafted people before and who were they?
4: Well, I think Noel Rock is the the kind of the spectre that looms over this when we have this conversation. Um, And for TDs, when we talk about constituency boundaries, because he was in the Dublin Northwest constituency, he was elected in 2016. um, But very soon, only a year or two after he was elected, there was a constituency uh, redraw, similar to today's one. And a good chunk of his constituency was moved from Dublin Northwest into Dublin Central. So something like Dublin Central, sorry, Dublin Central became a four seater. So something like 12,000 people who had been in Noel Rock's constituency suddenly woke up one day and were in uh, Dublin Central. And I was one of Them. I used to get Noel old rock leaflets in the door. I live in Drumcondra. And he was just one of these TDs who was always, always putting things in your door. And literally overnight, it just dried up. And because so many of his voters were just gone, they were moved to a different constituency. Um, he said he lost more than 20% of his voters um, in that redraw. So when the election happened in 2020, um, he ended up being squeezed, unsurprisingly. he It was a three-seater in Dublin Northwest. He ended up coming fifth behind a strong uh, Solidarity People for Profit candidate, and he, he didn't make it. So I think that's the kind of thing that politicians are are concerned about when they look at these um, the, these redraws. And I thought one interesting thing today was that Noel actually made a submission to the Electoral Commission about what he would like to see changed, obviously based on his experiences of what happened in, in the 2020 election, um, and he was arguing that Dublin Northwest should be moved from a three- three-seater to a four-seater, um, he was saying that it would help to be to create a, a fairer, a more proportional um, system, which I think is a fair point for him to make after uh, what he's been through. He was saying Dublin Northwest would be a good place to start if we're trying to move away from three-seaters and towards four-seaters. Um, so I think he's very much the, kind of the name on TD's lips or in their minds or they're concerned about what the, the repercussions could be for them on a personal level.
1: Yeah, because the changes, uh, Art was saying, there's changes that affect politicians, but then there's changes that affect people. Uh, Jane, what is the biggest change we need to know about?
3: Yeah, so I think on a a very top line level, it's the new number of TDs. So we're going from 160 TDs up to 174. That's um, an addition of 14. Beyond that, we've gone from 39 constituencies up to 43. So that's four additional constituencies. Um, and as Ronan was saying, like a key part of what the commission were trying to do here was to um, reduce the number of county boundary breaches. Um, so they recommended the removal of seven of the 10 existing um, county boundary breaches and proposed just uh, three new breaches. That's the tongue twister when you keep saying <laughs> <laughs> but But um, Offley and Leash were kind of one of the um, constituencies affected in that way. So they've been split um, and they will each have a county of their own constituency. Um, so then in terms of like some of the constituencies that were affected, don't, uh, Dublin, Fingal were one that there's been an awful lot of talk about. That's obviously um, a very large constituency. They've um, seen the largest population growth nationally in the last census. So that's been gone from a five-seater into two three-seaters. It's been split into Dublin, Fingal West and Dublin, Fingal East. Um, and then just in addition to that, there is some changes around Wicklow and Wexford. This is another th- tongue twister. I'm <laughs> going to try and say this is one in particular, but we've got the new
4: Wicklow-Wexford constituency. Which I think was one of the biggest surprises yeah. of today. I don't think, I think a lot of people weren't anticipating that they would see, so Wicklow and Wexford were five seaters and then became... Um, Three
1: different constituencies. Yeah. Three different yeah.
4: constituencies and it, this brand new tongue twister. I think if you kind of, <laughs> think of in your head,
0: you have, you have Wicklow North and you have You have uh, Wexford in the south. Now, essentially, in the middle, you have this Wicklow-Wexford, which is the smaller of the three. That's going to have three seaters and the others will have four seats. So between them, they're going to have 11, and it's an increase from... They had 10 between them. Now it's 11, but you know, they've they've had to squeeze it between three. And the difficulty is that, you know, I think four of the TDs currently are in, in Wicklow uh, are based in the northern part of that constituency. So, you know, what are they going to do now that that constituency has essentially been broken up and reduced to a three-seater? So it's going to make for, you know, very, very close counting when, when, when the election comes around.
1: Yeah, dogfight, as Christina, hmm. our political correspondent, has said. That they're the people who might lose out. Mm. Those Someone in, in Wicklow North might lose out and big personalities there and Stephen Danley, Simon Harris. Is anyone set to obviously gain from this, Ronan?
0: To say obviously, it's difficult to know. We'll have to see how the rubber meets the road when it's counted. But I think what we are, what we do know, we're going to see more three-seat constituencies. In the last election, there was nine and we're going to see 13 this time. Now, the perceived wisdom is that um, larger parties prefer three-seaters because they have a greater concentration of the vote, the more chance of reaching a quota. So they can be stronger in, in those three-seaters, whereas constituencies where you have five seats, there's more of a chance of maybe the smaller parties picking up the fifth seat. So the increase in the number of three-seaters is going to be beneficial to the larger parties. So that's Sinn Féin's is going to be particularly happy with that i would imagine in the election because they will be able to dominate those positions But at this early stage, you know, it's very, there's a lot of spin attached to these things. You know, I think we saw Regina Doherty was out today and she's somebody who was a former TD from Mid-East and she lost her seat in the last election and she's been canvassing quite hard in the Fingal area and the belief was that she was going to move there and seek election. Now Fingal has been broken up into two and instead of five seats, she's going to be running in essentially a three-seater constituency. And uh, coincidentally, her previous constituency of Mid-East is increasing to a four-seater. So perhaps she would have been better off in um you know staying in the meat area. Despite that, she's been out today saying she's delighted with the changes. So again, there's a lot of spin attached to these things, we'll see what politicians say as they start reading these details.
4: She was probably one of the only people I've seen come out so far today to say that they were thrilled or very excited about the um the the changes. I think a lot of TDs who did speak about it Um, where I think there's a bit more mileage in complaining about it or talking about the impacts of of what it's going to be. Um, John McGuinness had a really interesting line talking about 6,000 people who are in Kilkenny who are now being moved over the border and will be voting in Tipperary. And he was making the point that, you know, will these people turn out to vote? Because it's actually a huge deal. If you think of the rivalry between these two counties and suddenly telling people in Kilkenny, you're now voting in Tipperary, he was arguing like these people could be left disenfranchised. I mean... I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, but I think that there is an argument there about that kind of uh, almost tribal sense of, you know, I'm a Kilkenny person. Will I go and vote in Tipperary? That's Um,
1: exactly the word that Art O'Leary used because he said people in their submissions were very tribal, that they wanted to to not see their county broken up when it came to constituencies and for me it's even funny the amount of times you guys have said breach because breach seems like a negative word it has Mm -hmm. negative connotations attached to it so if you're saying like my county was breached or my constituency (laughs) was breached it it doesn't feel like a good thing and I think there's practical implications with the parish pump politics that we have because generally if you get a sports minister you get more sports capital funding so Mm -hmm. if you're a GA that's got lobbed off Kilkenny and you're now voting in Tipperary, is your Tipperary minister going to, you know, look favourably on? Yeah. That's not how the country should work. But, you know, we it's know such a
4: it basic does. thing when the name of your your constituency is not the place where you live. You almost feel like, well, if I'm not represented there, like, how can this person be representing me and the people I- around me? And um, so I think there's definitely something to be said for that. Jane, you've been looking at the winners and
1: losers. So we've touched on some winners and losers there. Is there yeah. anybody that we haven't mentioned who's definitely going to lose out?
3: So the, yeah, that's what I was going to say. In terms of the winners and losers, kind of putting aside the politicians for a second, I think it is those people that are living in areas that are tacked on to other counties. And um, what you were saying there about like where people identify and stuff like that. Um. So Mornington is one of those areas in County Mead. Um some voters there have expressed frustration that they're going to remain in the loud constituency rather than being moved into Mid East. Um, another example is South Donegal. There was kind of an expectation maybe that Donegal would be split in two and South Donegal could be rejoined with the um with the county, but that hasn't happened. Um, South Donegal, like the likes of Ballyshannon and Bundoran, Ballantra, that's remained in the Sligo Leitrim constituency. So that's been quite interesting. Um, but then, kind of more broadly, then in terms of some of the TDs that have been impacted, like you're saying, there some of the Wicklow TDs, and um, the other. Constituency to watch, I think, is Cork Southwest, and um, that's remain, remained remained on Change. And we've got the likes of um, Social Democrats Holly Cairns in there, and the Independent Michael Collins. So he came out today with a statement and was quite disappointed that's remained unchanged because that will be a, a hotly contested um, constituency the next time round. So yeah, I think there'll be a lot to, to keep an eye on and just see how this develops.
4: It'll be interesting to see when the next election actually happens and how much time the parties have to prepare for it, because we're all still talking about it as if it's going to be twenty twenty five. Um, which is like February 2025 is the latest it can. But if it happens before, then like I mean, we have been hearing a lot of th- talk about could there be an election after this the budget this year? Could there be one springtime next year? It's not giving some of the par- it's not giving the parties a huge amount of time to prepare and get candidates ready for places like say you know, Wicklow Wexford or, you know, new constituencies <laughs> or places where there are uh, new new seats um, opening up. So I think it'll be a lot of, um, I, mean, I know the parties have been gearing up for this. I'm sure they're, they're well prepared and everything, but there is a bit of pressure on the time pressure there. Yeah, there's
0: no wiggle room so. here. But once the, once the Adele comes back, they're going to have to, to pass this and make sure it goes through for it is to be in place for the next election. Yeah,
1: In terms of Johnny Gall, we thought it might be split. It hasn't been, but it's also somewhere that could have been a six-seater if we were allowed to have six-seaters. Um, we asked Art about this, why there was no six-seaters. He can't really talk for the government and he doesn't want to. Why don't the government want six-seaters? Why did they say they're not
4: changing the electoral act? So it's it's a real pity, to be honest. I think um friend of the podcast, Adrian Kavanagh of Maynooth University, he wrote about this in his submission to the Electoral Commission, um, and it's well worth a read. He was saying that if we had six-seater constituencies, it would solve so many of our problems. Like, for instance, Wicklow and Wexford could both have become six-seaters rather than trying to create this kind of zombie constituency of Wicklow-Wexford in between the two of them. Um, and I think it's something we should be talking about. Like, for all the conversations we're having about the Electoral Commission's um, guidelines and recommendations today, I think we should be looking at the actual Electoral Act itself and saying, why are we only allowed to have three, four and five-seater constituencies? Um, and how much sense does it make right now? Um because it would be an awful lot fairer to have six-seaters, it would be a lot more in the spirit of proportional representation to allow for the representation of smaller parties in this way because it's so difficult for smaller parties to get in, particularly in three-seaters when they need to be hitting something like, say, you know, around 25% of the quota, which is a tough ask for a small party. But if there's a six-seater, then you're looking at more like, say, 10%. It's much more doable. And in the past, you know, in the, the 30s and 40s in Ireland, when we did have bigger constituencies, it meant there was space there for much smaller parties to get in. Like Noel Brown got in on a much on a party that, you know, had very, very few seats. Um, But now in Ireland, it's just, it's much more difficult for them to fight that. Um, So look, the Electoral Commission, they couldn't look at it this time around, their hands were tied. But I think if the government wanted to make it cleaner, if they wanted to make it a fairer um, situation, they'd be looking at amending the Electoral Act. And I think it's something... It'll be interesting to see what politicians come out in the next few days it's, it's, as a it's, result
0: of this. It's, it's not just that it would be perhaps more democratic and give more opportunities. In the Green Party, it has come out today, Amy Ryan say, said the studies show large constituencies are more representative, we should have more of them. They're already talking about six-seaters. But, you know, it did. It was clear that it hamstrung the commission in what they could do. I mean, as we yeah. mentioned earlier, they're already at the limit of what's constitutionally um, viable and we're going to have to revisit this in six years' time. Part of the reason is because they didn't have the option there of the six-seater constituencies and the commission has essentially said that if they were to um, if they were to increase the number of TDs and to go towards the higher end of the increased number of TDs, they would have had to increase the number of three-seat constituencies and, you know, break up these county areas that they didn't want to do. Whereas if they did have the six-seater option, they wouldn't have had to do that and they would have had more wiggle room to actually have the appropriate number of TDs for what
4: we need right now. I would also make for much more exciting counts, I think, if yeah. you have a six-seater.
1: So Very enjoyable. We'd all win. We'd all win. <laughs> Jane, is there any possibility that people, once this legislation goes through, could challenge this in court?
3: So I think um, looking initially, uh, we've seen Tana and Martin say recently that he wants to see the recommendations go through the Oroctus in full. So I think at that stage, we're not going to see any challenges or much amendments um, kind of tagged onto it from sitting TDs. But in terms of what will happen after then, once, it, once the legislation is in place, um, technically, Someone could take a constitutional challenge to it, um, against it to the courts, but at this point we have no idea what that might look like, um, like on what grounds they might bring it, because we don't know what the legislation itself is yet. So in theory, yes, but in reality it seems unlikely that that might happen.
1: When will we know if the electoral commission got this right? The, their first brand review as a entity that stays in place. It's the first time we've actually got to talk to them afterwards because usually it just gets disbanded after they give the report to the Aractus. So it's it's a little bit different in that way that we will actually be able to say to an actual body, "Hey, you got that wrong, or you mm. got that right." But when will we know?
0: Well, I suppose when we get we see the votes being counted, if we have recounts that are going on for weeks and people making challenges on the basis of certain changes that were made. We perhaps make a judgment at that point, but also, you know, we might see, as we spoke a bit earlier in five years time, this is going to have to be revisited. And, you know, I think I, put a question today that is there an element of kicking a can down the road in what we heard today and if it is the case that a more significant change has to be made in five ten years time well then maybe we'll see this one as a bit less successful or maybe it was a bridge between this and what needs to be more substantial change.
4: I think that's fair I think that the work today was so uh, so diligent and you know, impressive in an awful lot of ways. But as Ronan says, if we're having the same conversation, if we're recording this podcast again in five years, then we know that look, this and talking again about constituencies changing and all of this, look, it's a sign that something is wrong. That we need to be zooming out and looking at the bigger picture. um And I think today was kind of tweaking at the margins a little bit mm-hmm. rather than trying to change the rules. And and they couldn't again; their hands were strong, like they couldn't. There's not a huge amount they could do, but they did what they could. Um, but we'll know if it's a success based on if some I think bigger changes come out of this. If we do see, say, the electoral act being. Changed, or changes to the constitution, which I think is also an option as well, um, because that's also kind of you know stopping uh, any bigger changes from happening. Um, so I think of this is kind of the starting point for those things to to change as well.
0: It is a conversation that was happening. I think um, Minister Simon Harris was asked earlier on this week. You know, would he be supportive of a referendum on amending this and capping the number of TDs? And he said he was. And it's certainly a discussion that um, cannot be put on the back burner because these questions are going to keep coming back up again so it is something that's going to have to be revisited whether that is a referendum or not we'll see
1: yeah because mm-hmm. the the one thing that people will want to know as well jane is if we do keep increasing the doll by two tds a year which the population would uh, allow for and would necessitate uh, going on the current constitution it would start to cost us more and more each year. You were looking at the costings. How much will this change cost the taxpayer?
3: Yeah. So it, there's no um, easy answer to that, to be honest. And it's all around how like TDs get their expenses and how they're calculated and stuff like that. But we know a TD's basic salary at the moment is um, €107,000. And then on top of that, they have their expenses. And that, that can really, really range. They can claim up to I think around one hundred and thirty thousand a year, depending on what it what, what that is. It might include like transport and travel and energy bills and that sort of thing. So um, I had a look there. The Independent had a report last year, um, on like the average um expenses that TDs claimed in twenty twenty one, and that kind of came in around fifty thousand a year. So if we take it that TDs are getting around two hundred thousand a year, um, we're looking at a minimum of like two point two to three million a year in additional costs
1: um, and that doesn't even include their pension. So, yeah, it's a a lot of money. I will leave it up to our listeners to decide if that offers value for money or if they want to join the conversation about capping the number of TDs and changing the Electoral Act. Jane, thank you very much for your debut on The Explainer.
4: Christine and Ronan, thanks for coming back into us. Thanks, Thanks, Sinead. This episode
0: of The Explainer was supported by Daft Advantage Ads, the best way to sell your home in Ireland. Looking to get the best price for your home? Ask your estate agent for a daft advantage ad today.
1: Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Jane, Christine, Ronan and Art for joining me today. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by senior producer Nikki Ryan, production assistant Stephen Fox and Laura Byrne. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us so we can continue to make more just like this one. There's a couple of things you can do. Head to the journal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber or make a one off donation. You can also leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a great way to make sure other people will listen and love it as well. Thank you and catch you next time.